재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Good morning and welcome to the bookend on TBS EFM 101.3 in the heart of Seoul, GFN 98.7 in Gwangju and 93.7 in Yeosu. It's Sunday, January 24th, 2016 and I'm your host, Jamie Chang. At the top of our show today, we have Helen Cho bringing us the latest from the world of books, followed by this week's roundtable on Kim Hyun's short story collection, Dalyeora Abi or Run Daddy. Our panelists today are Helena No, Becky White, and Grace O. And while we're on the subject of Kimeran, we have an excerpt from her latest story, which came out just this past fall, 어디로 가고 싶으신가요? Or Where Would You Like to Go? for this week's first chapter. I'll be back after you two singing Ordinary Love. Sunday, we start the show with Helen Cho's hot new releases. Helen is a freelance translator and interpreter. Hi, Helen. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm okay. Good. So, our first news of the week, the Korean literary and intellectual community said goodbye to an inspirational figure. Can you tell us about writer Shin Young-bok? Yes, this is very sad news indeed for so many. Um, Sungong-hye University professor Shin Young-bok died of cancer on Friday the 15th. He was 75 years old. Mm-hmm. He is best known for his book, Meditation from Prison, or Kamogoro-buto-e Sasek. He's a um, left-leaning scholar. He got um, a life sentence for espionage in 1968 under the Park Jong-hee administration. Mm-hmm. And he was locked up for 20 years before being released on a special pardon given on Independence Day in 1988. Wow, that's a long time to be in prison. Yes, 20 mm-hmm. years, two decades in fact. Yeah. And in the same year, um, upon being released from prison, he published Meditation from Prison. It's a compilation of his own meditations and letters that he had written to his acquaintances during his imprisonment. Mm-hmm. And this book has inspired many readers of all ages. Mm-hmm. And how has the public responded to this sad news? Well, there's been a dramatic increase in sales of his books and um, Mm-hmm. You know, devastated readers have rushed to the nearest bookstores to get copies of his books to remind themselves of his words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And next month, there'll be a revised version um, edition of For the First Time, or Chom Chorom, that was first released in 2007. Mm-hmm. There's actually an English translation of this book as well. 
Have you ever read it? Um, I've only read it in Korean. I wonder how mm-hmm. it's been translated into English. Mm-hmm. And is Tom Charom a, a series of essays or letters as well, or what kind of format is it? It's another non-fiction, um, yes, mm-hmm. book of like his thoughts and, and um, essays. Mm-hmm. That's great. Let's look at this week's international bestsellers. Yes, topping the chart this week is The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. It's kept its number one place um, since last week. Mm-hmm. But then the longest running bestseller on the list is Anthony Doerr's All the Light We Cannot See. And this book won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction last year. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed there are a few what we call screen sellers, the books that have been adapted onto the big screen. Mm-hmm. The Martian and the, I mean, Star Wars The Force Awakens and The Revenant take the places 3, 7 and 8, 9, respectively mm-hmm. there's three books on the list that have film adaptations are actually in theaters right mm-hmm. now have you actually seen any of them i've not seen any of them actually constantly uh-huh. um i'm not sure about the revenant it's uh-huh. actually you know showing everywhere in cinemas in korea at the moment but uh-huh. it's going to be two and a half hours of you know the men going through extreme pain and mm-hmm. some sort of grim destinies mm-hmm. so. i mean isn't that the martian too though <laughs> <laughs> i've not seen that one either so <laughs> Okay. I'll probably read them. Okay. <laughs> yes. And before we can leave the chart, I'd like to mention the new entries this week. Um, the Last Anniversary by Liam Moriarty, Big Rock by Lauren Blakely, and Built by Jay Crownover take the places 10, 12, and 14, respectively. Mm-hmm. Last Sunday, you introduced two poetry books to our listeners. Are there any hot new fiction titles that you'd like to discuss today? Yes, um, Yo Nesbe's Blood on Snow is now available in paperback and hardcover edition of Purity by Jonathan Frenzen just came out mm, recently. Okay, Jo Nesbe was a guest on our show back in 2013 during his visit to Seoul. He is one of the most popular foreign authors here in Korea. Can you please remind us who he is? Yes, Nesbe was born in 1960 in Oslo, Norway. And after graduating from the Norwegian School of Economics, he worked as a freelance journalist and a stockbroker. Mm-hmm. And he's very first crime novel featuring Harry Hall was published in Norway in 1997 and it became an instant bestseller. It won him the Glass Key Award for Best Nordic Crime Novel. Mm-hmm. It's an accolade shared with the likes of Henning Mankel and Stieg Larsson. Mm. How did this commercial and critical success change things for the writer? He could leave the world of economics. Um, <laughs> you know, he uh-huh. could devote his time now to no writing. No longer a stockbroker. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, he could devote his time now to writing and to his one other passion, which was music. He's also the lead singer and songwriter for the popular Norwegian rock band D-Dare or oh, Them There. Okay. Such a cool person, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's now regarded as one of Europe's leading crime writers. Um, you know, his books have done so well in translation. His novels have published in 40 countries across the world. Wow. And he has actually written no less than 10 volumes of the Harry Hall series. And how did they do? Um, the Harry Hall novels have been a huge success worldwide. They've hit bestseller lists across Europe and sold over 9 million copies everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, he actually has a loyal following here in Korea as well. I remember oh, when he okay. came to visit um, Seoul uh-huh. in 2013, a lot of my friends were um, very excited and they went actually to see him at oh, book nice. signings and things. Uh-huh. And in the UK, um, The Leopard was an instant hit in English translation. He went straight to number one in the Sunday Times hardback fiction chart and the next book in translation, Phantom, secured his first UK number one in paperback. Mm. So what is Blood on Snow about? So this new story, it's about a contract killer 
um, a man named Olaf Johansson. He's um, a very complicated person. He's full of contradictions. Mm-hmm. You know, on one hand, he's a cold-blooded killer, but you also see that he is a man with a heart of gold. Aren't they all? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, in short, he's a fixer, inverted commas. He fixes people for a high-profile crime kingpin in 1970s Oslo. Mm-hmm. So he easily takes care of anyone who causes trouble for his boss. Mm. But then, you know, like I said, he's a lot more complicated than it seems. So how does the story begin? Um, the opening paragraph, the opening passage, has got some powerfully um, vivid, vivid image. Um, the novel opens as he stands over a man he's just shot in the chest and back and there's blood dripping onto the snow. Oh. And we find out that he gets asked to fix his crime lord boss's beautiful, unfaithful wife. So dramatic. <laughs> and it's this new job that sets in motion a chain of events that changes everything for the boss, for his wife, for the gang and for Olaf Johansson himself. So Blood on Snow is the kind of um, short paced little thriller but instead of going into the psyche of some morally dubious cop what you see is a villain with a heart mm. and how has blood on snow been received by critics and um, the boston globe described it as a tangled tale with a faithful faithful twist mm-hmm. and uk's newspaper independent described it as an incendiary cocktail of murder revenge and a hitman with problems <laughs> <laughs> Don't they all have problems? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, um, heart of gold. Let's move on to the second title on your list. Jonathan Franzen's latest title, Purity. Before we delve into the book, can you please tell us a bit about the writer? Um, Jonathan Frinzen was born 1959. He's an American novelist and essayist. Mm-hmm. He really um, first rose to fame in 2001 with his book The Corrections. It's a sprawling satirical family drama and it drew widespread critical acclaim and earned Frenzen a National Book Award. And this book was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. Mm. And his um, novel that came out in 2010 titled Freedom garnered similar similar praise and he even appeared on the cover of Time magazine alongside the headline Great American Novelist. Wow, that's that's high praise. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And he's also very outspoken. Um, in recent years, he's been recognized for his opinions when e- that he shared on the internet and he has something to say about pretty much everything and for example he described twitter as the ultimate irresponsible medium mm-hmm. and to him ebooks are just not permanent enough mm. i agree with him on you know the, on his point about ebooks though i'm a traditionalist remember <laughs> yes that's true yeah. they're they're not permanent enough even though they're they're highly flammable <laughs> I mean, paper books are highly flammable. Yeah. So are e-books, actually. Do you agree with him on his opinion that um, Twitter is the ultimate irresponsible medium? Well, I guess it's irresponsible in that you can delete things afterwards. <laughs> if you change your mind about something that you've published on Twitter, then you can always go back and just delete what you've published. Mm-hmm. I guess Twitter is as impermanent as e-books. I suppose so. Tell us about Purity. So this book um, tells the intersecting stories of several different people. Um, it's a story that focuses on many different things. You get a taste of youthful idealism and you get to witness extreme fidelity and murder. So um, Frenton has really presented us with a world of some vividly original characters. You have um, Californians, East Germans, good parents, bad parents, journalists and leakers. And, you know, he shows how their paths actually intertwine with mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. So we have murder in both books. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
<laughs> so tell us about the youthful, idealistic main character. Um, we meet a young woman named Pip Tyler. She mm-hmm. just recently graduated from college. She lives in Auckland, California. She's a smart, ambitious woman, but she's saddled with student debt and she's got a whole lot of other issues that she has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Her relationship with her overbearing mother, who is her only family, is far from peaceful and she doesn't have a clue who her father is or why her mother chose to live as recluse with an invented name or how she's ever going to have a normal life. Mm-hmm. And she soon becomes involved in the Sunlight Project. And this is a group that seeks to uncover secrets and expose them on the internet. And she hopes that the organization might just be able to traffic the secret of her origins. Mm. Is Pip a reference to Pip in Great Expectations? I don't think so. But yeah, that does mm-hmm. ring a bell, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling she'll be uncovering some rather unpleasant truths mm-hmm. through the the Sunlight Project. Yes, and we also find out that the Sunlight Project is run by a man named Andreas Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, he grew up in socialist East Germany and rose to fame in the chaos following the fall of the Berlin Wall. And later on, we eventually you know find out that you know every character is chasing purity in one form or another. Mm-hmm. Before you go, can you read us an excerpt from Blood on Snow? You said that the story begins with um, blood dripping on the snow, mm-hmm. right? It's it's very dramatic, and I'm kind of curious about it. Can you read us an excerpt? Yes, we go straight into the psyche, the voice of the first-person narrator, Johansson, uh-huh. and it goes like this. This is from the first chapter. The snow was dancing like cotton wool in the light of the street lamps. Aimlessly, unable to decide whether you wanted to fall up or down, just letting yourself be driven by the hellish ice-cold wind that was sweeping in from the great darkness covering the Oslo field. Together they swirled, wind and snow, round and round in the darkness between the warehouses on the quayside that were all shut for the night, until the wind got fed up and dumped in Stan's partner beside a wall. And there the dry, wind-swept snow was settling around the shoes of the man I had just shot in the chest and neck. (laughs) Blood was dripping down onto the snow from the bottom of his shirt. I don't actually know a lot about snow, or much else for that matter. But I've read the snow crystals formed when it's really cold are completely different from wet snow, heavy flakes or the crunchy stuff. That it's the shape of the crystals and the dryness of the snow that make the haemoglobin in the blood retain their deep red colour. Either way, the snow under him made me think of a king's robe, all purple and lined with ermine, like the drawings in the book of Norwegian folk tales my mother used to read to me. She liked fairy tales and kings. That's probably why she named me after a king. I thought the blood would freeze on the top of the snow and end up just lying there. But instead, the snow sucked the blood up as it fell, drawing it in under the surface hiding it as if it had some sort of use for it. As I walked home, I imagined a snowman rising up from the snowdrift, one with clearly visible veins of blood under his deathly pale skin of ice. This is probably the perfect excerpt to read on the air on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And it really grabs your attention, doesn't it? That powerful imagery of the mm-hmm. snowman with you know, vis- veins I- of blood. <laughs> I especially enjoyed the absorption imagery, the the blood would freeze on top of the snow, um, but instead the snow sucked the blood up mm-hmm. as it fell. It kind of has this very poetic, murdery sort of imagery. 
And it's really disturbing in that you kind of sympathize or you kind of you know understand what this killer, this brutal you know contract killer is thinking at this you know, really crucial moment. Mm-hmm. He's enjoying. He's looking at the snowflakes and he's really enjoying and savoring it, which. Which is even more disturbing than than just plain. Like it r- reminds me of some of the film that I saw, like um, some Park Chan-wook film. Mm. Have have this imagery in, in the in the movies where everything is perfectly laid out. It's beautiful, but it's a murder scene. Yes, I can already see like this in a screen adaptation of this opening scene. Yeah, like that's this, true. You know, cruel, cold-blooded killer, and then the focus is so much on the mm-hmm. blood on the snow, like the titula in you know, imagery. Mm-hmm. And if if they end up doing a film adaptation of this book, we'll probably talk about it. Yes, it would be a perfect noir film. <laughs> yes. Well, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Helen, for coming in, and we'll see you again next Sunday. Yes, I'll see you the same time next week. Coming up next is today's roundtable. But first, let's listen to Jung Tae-chun and Park Eun-hok's Tonaganen Be" or The Leaving Boat, a song Jung Tae-chun recently sang in tribute to Shin Young-bok. Bye.